For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. A lot of people live in denial because they think that to be realistic is to be depressing. I'm Dr. Mike, host of Going There. It was the first song where I wrote about how I felt like my depression was killing me and I didn't want it. Going There breaks the stigma of mental health issues by having real honest conversations with your favorite musicians, including Alessia Cara, Lizzie Hale, Jewel, Jason Isbell, Gerard Way, Lauren Gray, Shamir, and Barty Strange. There was something there that was so raw, where I was like, wow, I can't believe someone would say that. Let's go there on Going There with Dr. Mike, brought to you by Sound Mind Live and the Consequence Podcast Network, every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is David Frangioni, CEO and publisher of Modern Drummer Magazine. So excited about our new podcast, The Modern Drummer Podcast. This weekly podcast will bring modern drummer to life. Sit back and enjoy fresh, fun, and insightful conversations with today's top drummers, producers, musicians, beat makers, and craftsmen. Whether you're a professional, a hobbyist, drummer, musician, programmer, producer, or just love music, this show is for you. Every other week, the Modern Drummer Podcast will feature world-renowned producer, songwriter, and drummer, Narda Michael Walden. Narda Michael Walden's Upbeat is featured exclusively on the Modern Drummer Podcast. Hey everybody, this is your brother Narda Michael Walden. Thank you for watching our next episode with the great Dominic McDowell. I call him the Black Angel. He's got so much spiritual insight, living in San Francisco, coming from the streets. And he really inspired me, and I want him to inspire you, all of our musicians around the world. Listen to his divine message. God bless you. Stay tuned to our wonderful episode with Dominic McDowell. Bye-bye. Brother Dominic. Hey, good can brother. You, can you see me? I see you. I see the candle lit, too. That's right, brother. I'm lighting the candle for you, man. Thank you, man. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. I love you. Love your kindness, man. Thank you. So I know we're, we've been trying to make a time to get together. Yeah. Well, here we are. But the, you <laughs> know, the right the right time is God's time, right? That's always the right time. That's God's right. Time. So we're supposed to be here right now. Yes, ma'am. So then I want to say that when I meet you across the street from my house uh, over there, at Jeff's, and you're just so sparkly and full of light and love and encouragement, Thank um, you, I want you to spread some of that to our our listeners and to our fans and, 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 you know, about your life and what inspires you. So, okay. Yeah. The floor is yours. Okay. Uh, well, thank you. First of all, it's an honor to be in, in the presence of, of, of somebody who's climbed the mountaintop, you know, somebody who's climbed the mountaintop and been able to be successful in life, uh, come from the inner cities to be an example for me, you know, my, my path ain't the same as yours, but, Success is success, you know, and we, you know, my, my journey, you know, I, uh, climbing my mountain, I had a lot of difficulties to try to get to get up that hill. Uh, you know, I was born in San Francisco, San Francisco, California, in the Hunters Point area. So if any of you listeners know about that, you know, that's not the best area in the world, but it's not the worst. You know, it's, it was home, you know, and I made it the best I could, you know, as, as a young kid. Uh, growing up in a family that had a lot of traumatic events that happened, you know, uh, my family was swamped by addiction. Uh, yeah, I was I was born in, in 1970, and and uh, when I came out the womb, I was already up against it due to due to substance abuse stuff through through my mother, right? Yes. So, so yeah. and, and to yeah. make the long story short. To, to make the story short, I had to uh, go live with my grandparents because my parents weren't able to take care of me. When I was born in that area, 
of, of San Francisco. I was born to some parents who were struggling. Yes. You know, I had a father that was addicted to opiates, which was a, a heroin abuser. My mom was a heroin abuser. So as I was born, uh, there I came out, you know, a, a, a heroin abuser and didn't even know that I was using drugs, you know, due, due to my mom's abuse. Uh, so I, I went to live with my grandparents, you know, and uh, that they try to do the best they can. You know how grandparents these days have to take care of have to take care of children of, of parents that can't do it. That's that's just a norm. Right. In, in certain neighborhoods, it, be, it seems like it's a normal. It's a normal thing for for all of my friends and and, and their friends to be living with their grandparents because our parents got caught up in those eras. Yes, you yes. know, and it's ironic because one day I was talking with my dad and I said I asked him what happened. I said, Dad, what happened? How did you get caught up in things like this, man? Mm-hmm. And he couldn't even explain to me really what happened, mm-hmm. you know. But I think it was that era of the '60s and '70s when you know everybody wanted to be a Mac and wear suits and have perms and and that, that, just that, that lifestyle, you you know what I'm talking about. I do. <laughs> you know that era I'm talking yeah, about. I do. We had I the do. Cadillacs and, and the birds and the puppy dudes. I got some pictures of my dad where he was really looking like I was like he was the man, right? Okay. Okay. But that era, and I think that era, that lifestyle just engulfed our black communities. Right. It engulfed our black communities, and it, and it misled us, Be, because in the same conversation I was having with my father. I talked about my grandfather and I used to watch my grandfather. He was a cement mason. He used to go to work every day and he used to work real hard. He'd come home and he'd be tired. And I'd say, dad, why you, why you didn't do the things my grandfather did? What happened? Mm-hmm. Like you just got transformed in that era. Mm-hmm. But I understand it now after I got transformed in the era, okay. you know, I got caught up in the crack era. Okay. So I, be, I began trying to sell drugs and then I became my best customer. Okay. So, <laughs> As becoming my best customer, that that just led me to a life of in and out of prison and, and, and abandonment of my children and, and committing crimes and, and doing, you know, doing things that's that's just just really have society. I, I would put it this way. I became a public health issue. I became an issue for the public health. And, and, and I understand now what public health is about, you know, and I'll talk about schooling later on that's that's became my major public health because i see that it was best for me to work with me right you know because i know me better than anybody so why not go to school and get some things get some education around this type of stuff so i can learn how to give back to my community and learn how to help the next person so i've done a lot of geographics in my life you know uh i tried to move to kansas and i thought i would stop using drugs i just took me wherever i went so wherever i went there i was (laughs) (laughs) okay Wherever, wherever I went there, I was. So uh, it just constantly, it was a cycle from probably the age of 15 to 29. I was just in and out of jail, prison, uh, homeless. Uh, a lot of violent acts was displayed on me and, and as, as well as me doing things to people, you know, things that I wish I can go to some people and say, hey, can you forgive me for this? But I'll probably never see them again. Right. But, you know, it, it's, part, it's part of my 12-step program, make, being able to make amends to people. Right. You know, and it's ironic that some people never accepted my amends, you know, right. and some people love me for who I am. And some people is waiting for the ball to drop. You know, you, you know, you got it's just the way life is. Yes. yes. Uh, so it, it, it was just it's, it's ironic how how life, how God, you know, I have two tattoos on my forearms. One says uh, uh, God blesses you and one said God blesses me. Right. And, and I term, I totally believe in that because. In, in 19, 1999, I was sitting in, a, uh, there's a Martin Luther King Park in the Bayview District, right on 3rd Street. It's called Martin Luther King Park. And I was sitting there January 7th, 1999, and I was sitting there, and I was sitting in the park, and I was using, I was using crack in the park. And uh, it was maybe, I'd say 50 feet away, there were kids playing in the playgrounds, but I called myself hiding behind a, a bathroom and trying to do what I do, and the kids were playing. Mm-hmm. This was the moment that I think God came to me because the kids were playing in the playground and it sounded like the, the joy and the laughter. You know how kids in the park yes, are yes, screaming yes. and happy? And it sounded like somebody was scratching chalkboards. It was, just, it was wretching at my soul, like the happiness. I was so low. I was such in hopelessness. I was such in a scary state. Uh, and I felt death coming. I felt I felt that like death was on me 
And, and I don't think I could describe that feeling, but I know that's what it had to be. And so at that moment, and I remember it was 10, 10 a.m. on January 7th, 1999, I prayed to God and I said, God, if you really a real God, like the Bible says you are, you're going to stop this right now. Okay. You will stop this. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for, though. <laughs> right. okay. So I, I prayed and I got up. Something rose me up and I started walking up Third Street. And, and my great grandmother, who was a real spiritual lady, she used to always tell me, she said, God gonna get you, boy. She said, he got a plan for you, but you, you, when he, when he gets you, you ain't gonna be able to get away. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I heard all those things. I heard her talking to me. Mm -hmm. I heard, and I got up and I walked and I walked. And, and, and Nara, Nara, it's, it's, it's funny how I cried. Yeah. I cried and I cried and I cried. And I get emotional when I talk about this because I feel that moment again. That's right. And, and I cried. And I walked and I walked until I passed out. Wow. I walked until I passed out on Third Street. And this story is this story is sometimes unbelievable to me how it happened. Okay. I passed out on Third Newcomb on the corner. Now you know what goes on Third Newcomb. That's it's drugs, everything. I, pa I passed out in the middle of it all. And the police woke me up. And there's so many gifts and blessings to this, to this thing. The police that woke me up. He woke me up and he took me back to San Quentin. I got back to San Quentin right in our backyard. Right. <laughs> and I sat there and I and I and it was a sergeant named Miss Williams that that was there, that was there all the time. And she knew some of my family members. She used to be like, Oh, you came back, huh? And I'd be like, I will never come back again, though. Yeah. And I was sure about that. I told her, I say, This is the last time you'll see me in here. And she was like, Yeah, whatever, boy. You you always say that. Oh, okay. And and after I, got, I stayed there 10 months, I got, well, 12 months, I got there, got out December 7th, and I went to my parole office in San Francisco, and I asked him, I said, hey, man, I need help. Now, let me back up. In the meantime, while I was in jail, some of my friends was coming in, and they said, hey, we see, I seen your family, man, I seen your daughter. And I was like, where you seen her at? He said, at your grandmother's thing. And I was like, my grandmother's thing? He said, yeah, man, you know your grandmother died? <laughs> so, yeah, so that was a hit. That was a hit because she was the only person that I could go to because yeah. nobody wanted to see me coming. So I got out and I went to the parole office and I said, hey, man, I need some help, man. I don't want to use drugs again. And, you know, they, they told me, he said, nah, we can't we can't invest any more money in you. We've done that already. We can go. You can go stay to the shelter at Fifth and e, I mean, uh, uh, Fifth and Mission, MSC South. So I said, OK, so I went to the shelter and, I, and every day I would walk from Fifth and Mission all the way up to the Boson mission. Okay. And I would ask him to put me in treatment. He, nah, not today. So after maybe about a month, I went up there and the, and the supervisor was there. And I said, hey, man, because he said to me, he said, I see you come up here every day, man. Right. He's like, what do you need? I said, I just want to go to a program, man. I don't know where to go. He's like, OK, just come back tomorrow. So he got on my parole agent and made my parole agent do something because he seen my consistency. And I was, I was scared. I was living in so much. You know, to be in fear of life. Yes. Don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, how am I gonna make it? I don't have nobody. So I had all those things going through my mind, but I didn't want to use drugs. Right. I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't want that feeling again, because I remember that hopeless, lonely, uh, uh, uncomfortable feeling that I always had. Yes. So, so <laughs> I finally got to treatment, and here's here's how this this where the amazingness of all this start now. When I had to go to a program, they sent me to a program on the same street I passed out on. Oh. So I had to go back, positive directions in San Francisco. I had to go back there. Oh, hey, be quiet, lady. So, uh, Siri, that's a little Siri, you know, she won't talk. So I went back to the program right there and this journey really gets, it gets really great. So I go to the program, positive direction. I stay there and I listen to what people tell me to do. And this is maybe uh, 2000, year 2000, January, February, March. Now I'm, I'm uh, in the program. I don't have no job. I'm on GA. I'm getting this 300 some a month. They're taking 200 of that, so I got $100. I don't got nothing. So these guys, a lot of these guys in the program, they support me. They say, hey, man, you can do it. You, you, we motivation and all this. Uh, they're, getting, they're coming back with these checks from City College of San Francisco. 
They're coming back with financial aid checks, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, how do you do that? So he said, you just go up there and enroll in school, man. You'll get a check. So I mosey up to City College, take the entrance exam, and they asked me what high school I graduated from. I said, well, I graduated from high school. But I did go to the school and try to do my GED, but I never finished. So when they tried to get my records from the school, the school had shut sealed all the records. So they couldn't say if I had a high school diploma or not. So that's how I got into college. Okay. So all these great things are happening. So I get in and I get this financial aid check for going to school part of the semester. And I'm, I really don't want to go to school though. I just want the money. Right, all right, okay. Be school. I want to get some clothes. I need some clothes. I want to look good. Yeah, some shoes. I want to look good. All I want is the check. Because this is what these guys are doing. So I'm following suit. So halfway through the semester, this Caucasian lady who was my professor named Cindy Harrison, she was a lesbian and she rode bulls on the weekends. So she came to me, she came, she stopped me after class one day. And I'm a, this is how sick an addict's mind is. She stopped me after class. No, she told me, I want to speak to you after class. So I'm thinking she liked me. Okay. Sick, sick mind, okay. sick, sick addict mind. So she say, hey, I can see you struggling. If you allow me to help you, I will. And that's the moment, I think, another moment that drastically changed my life. Because you know what happened to me at that moment? I started trusting somebody. Nice. Very important. I trusted the lady at that moment and I allowed her to help me. Yeah. And I allowed her to introduce me to new people, new friends, you know, like Dr. Raymond Fong, uh, uh, Charles Smith, uh, Dr. Andrew. I started meeting all these professors and these doctors and they started motivating, pouring love into me and pouring like, you can do it, you, you educated, you're smart, you know, you can make it. So, my first semester in, at City College of San Francisco, I think my grade point average was 0. 0.007. That's how low it was. Now, when I graduated from SF State, I was a 3.8. Wow, man. You turned so it on. That's, that's how my journey went. So I went, through, I went through Second Chance program at City College, which was a curriculum that was built for formerly incarcerated people. Now, City College started, they was the only college in the United States that had a curriculum for formerly incarcerated people. Now they have a lot of colleges that have, but City College had the second chance program. Okay. And then, you know, Jason Bell at SF State has Project Rebound. He's an ex-felon who's now Dr. Bell, who works for formerly incarcerated people to help them. So we don't have to pay for college. We make the state pay for our, for our school because we're, we're wards in the state. So if, since I'm your son, you need to send me to school. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, but we had to keep a grade point average to keep them funding us. So I ended up going to SF State and, and, uh, and then, so, and how I got into public health. So Dr. Fong, when I was at City College, I didn't know what, what I wanted to do with, do with school. I say, first I wanted to do child psychology. So I had this teacher lady, she said, well, that's not really a, a field that a lot of men work in. Discouraging, she tried to, you know, discouraging. So then I wanted to go into sociology. This, this one teacher told me, she said, well, you don't look like the type that'll be protesting. So I'm like, well, how's everybody discouraging me from what I want to do? Right. You know, but I didn't exactly know what I needed to do or what my what my purpose was yet. Got it. I just knew that I was in school and my life was getting better and I liked where I was, but I didn't know what my purpose was. So this guy, Dr. Raymond Fong, who's an ex Chain gang member from Chinatown, who's now a professor, he say, you know, sit down and we talked. He say, he say, you've been to prison. I say, yeah. He say, you you recovering from drugs. I say, yeah. He say, you're violent too, right? I say, yeah. He said, well, you were a public health issue. And I say, what's that? Mm -hmm. He say, you should go into public health. He say, because you already know how to do it. Uh, he say, yeah. you just don't have the education and the modalities and the systems of how to treat public health. He say, I think that, so I started researching public health and I started reading about myself, like drug abuse, uh, violence, uh, prison, uh, uh, incarceration. Uh, and I started, okay, this is, this is really what, this is about my life. And I can go to school and get a degree for this and I can get paid to help people that suffer from the same thing I'm suffering from. So that's, that, that's how I ended up in public health. So, so, but 
you know, I think the most important thing in my life has been working with 12 Steps of Narcotics Anonymous. So I think- What are those steps? For, the, for our listeners who need to know those, those 12 steps, what are they? I'll tell them to you, let me give me one second, I'll read them all to you. Do you know uh, them by memory? I know them by, sometimes I get them, I get them offhand sometimes. Yeah. So I just want to make sure I get them in verbatim. Okay. Let me tell you. So step one is admitting to God, to yourself, and to another human being the exact nature of your wrongs. I know that's 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 one of my favorite ones. I'm sorry. Say say that again. Make sure I understand you. One more time. Let me put let me put up twelve. Uh, admitted to uh, admitted to well that's step that's step five. Admitted to God, to yourself, and to another human being the exact nature of your wrongs. That's a very it's step four, and step step seven humbly admitting your shortcomings. See, those are things that I really work on, you know, and, and admitting my wrongs daily, uh, looking back at my, like every day I go back to my day and I look at what happened and what I needed to apologize for and what did I need to do better and what did I need to, to change the way I think, you know, because th there's a remedy and there's a solution to never using drugs again that I believe. Okay. Well, and I believe if you do everything you don't want to do. You know, as, as a recovery addict, and you, you got to do the things you don't want to do, like go to a meeting when I don't want to. I have to call my sponsor when I don't feel like talking to nobody. I want to talk to you today. Yeah, I have to I have to show up for meetings like this when I can find a way to get out of it because I want to go do something else. Uh, you know, doing the things you don't want to do. And and it's a trip because it's a it's a paradigm we call it. And it's like it's like who I am over here and who I want to be over here. And then you have all this stuff caught in the middle. The, the, all this anxiety, depression, and stuff that's caught in the middle, and you can't find yourself, mm -hmm. you know. And, and it's kind of it's very, you know. I, I really have a heart for the for the suffering addict. Like I'm, uh, I'm working with a young 19 year old man. I just started working with him on Friday. Okay. Who, who's uh, addicted to oxycodone? He he snorts four to five pills a day. That's a heavy addiction. Oxycodone eighties, and and I sent him to the hospital to get him. Uh, I work with medically assisted treatment, which is we use medications now for opioid use disorder, which is called Suboxone, buprenorphine. And what the medication does is it, it sits on their receptor in their brain. And it's a medication. And what it does is if you use opiates, it can't get to your receptor. It bounces off the medication, blocks it. It's a blocker. Wow. Wow. So I had to get this young man started on this medication. And now, now if your body used to using opiates for years, now you're putting something else in your body to stop it, your body gonna go through a transfer. It's like a metamorphosis. Okay. It's like, you feel like you wanna crawl out your skin. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching this young man fight through this though. And I'm trying to motivate him that you can do it. You can get out of it. You can do it. You can get out of it. And that's what it's about. It's about us loving each other. Like the way you, the way you loved on me when I first met you. Yes. You yes. know, it's, 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 a different, it's a different love, but it's still you loving on me. I saw and I see the angel in you. And I see the savior in you that is, is, has been transformed to then help and transform others. I see that light around you, even right looking at you now, around Thank your you. head, around your shoulders, is a very bright light. Thank you. A very Thank bright light. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, you know, it, it means a lot. You know, it's, 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 it's ironic because sometimes I talk to my dad and my dad, he was, like I say, he was a heroin abuser. He got cursed with the two symptoms. He has hep C and HIV. But he's he's fine now, you know. His blood count is fine. He's living a healthy life, and he's probably been off heroin like almost thirty years. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's funny how he always say, "Man, I love you. I'm so proud of you." And sometimes I'd be like, "Dad, it's okay. It's it's okay now. I'm 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 normal. I'm normal in your eyes now. You know, I'm okay. You know, you you don't just love just love me. You don't have to remind me every time you see me that you're proud of me. Sometimes it'd be like too much for me. Like I'd be like, "Dad, it's okay. You know, we we." This is where we're supposed to be, you know. Let this be normal, you know. And uh, it's, 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 you know, I, I, I deal with a lot. See, and I think being in recovery, we have to deal with a lot of things, life on life terms. That's such a true statement, you know. I have a <laughs> life on life, living life on life terms. Life on you life know? terms. Yeah, it's it's a it's a heavy saying because we, I think us people, when I speak of recovering addicts, we feel things differently. We feel things differently and life is different for us because we have, we, we're not damaged, but we have a damage. Mm -hmm. 
we have a damage that we have to keep in check for the rest of our lives. See, I have to worry, not worry, let me take that out, it's not worry. I have to maintain that addict part of me for the rest of my life. I have to know that he's there. And if I wake him up, it can destroy everything. Okay. So I, I have to do a daily reprieve every day. I have to get up and say, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, yes. the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Yes. And that's, that's enough. That's enough because I can I can make it to another day. And when I was speaking, I have a 25-year-old son that's using Xanax. And all I can do is call him and say, son, I love you, man. I, I want you to do better. But I can't save him. I can't fix him. You know, and, 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 it's, and it's the sad part about it is the cycle of my family. You know, I, I was able to break my part, break away from the cycle. And my dad was, but now it's our younger generation that's caught up in this new cycle of stuff that these youngsters are doing now. And they think it's hip, slick, and cool. And what I'm trying to do is warn him and tell him that it's not going to pay off for you. Yeah. It's not going to pay off for him. I'm, I'm, you're headed down the wrong road, son. And, and you'll be my age trying to get it together. You know, and he's on harder drugs than I was. You know, benzodiazepines, you know, it takes years to detox off that stuff. You know, it's, 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 it's really a bad one. Uh, so today, my life, you know, today my life is, is great. Uh, I have people like Jeff in my life. And, and, and it's ironic. Me and, Jeff, me and Jeff met and we clicked like that. Yeah. We clicked like that. And, and, and you know, it's, he was a blessing. He was an angel walking into my life. Right. You know, he, he walked into my office one day and just started talking to me when I worked at Ritter House. And he just started talking to me and he was like, what do you want to do with your life? What, what's your goal? And I told him about let's do the homes and let's do all these different things. And he was like, let's do it. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> let's do it. Let's... And, and I'm like, when he, when he walked out my office, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, you know, and he came back to me again. He's like, have you been looking for a house? And I'm like, you really serious, huh? You really gonna invest in me? Walking into my life to invest so much into me, so much. It's not even, I don't think it's the monetary value. I think it's the part that moved me was you trusting me. Yeah, man. You trusting me and I can trust you to trust me. Mm -hmm. that's, that's priceless. That's right. And the relationship that I built with him, you know, I look at him as a godfather, as a father figure, as a mentor. And then you see, God is perfect. God is perfect because without him, there's no you in my life. <laughs> right. You get it? Yeah, I do. There, there's no you in my life. Yeah, no. So you see how this all, how I, I'm selfish. I'm, I'm taking this. This is my blessing. Now, y'all can get what y'all want out of it, but I'm a, I want all the goodness. <laughs> I'll get what y'all want. <laughs> I, I want all this goodness out of it. You know? Because... If, if you asked me 20 years ago where my life would have been 25 years ago, I would have told you I, probably, I won't probably going to live to see this age. Okay. You. You, could, you couldn't have poured the stuff on me that's happened to me. man. You, you couldn't pour the stuff on me. And I'm, I'm, I stay humble and I'm so grateful, man. I'm, I'm so grateful that life has brought me down these roads, you know? And, and I remember... I remember this one lady told me something. She said, uh, just make sure you have something to fall back on. And it's a trip. Cause I was looking at this commencement speech by Denzel Washington and he started talking about that. He said like, don't worry about nothing to fall back on. You need to fall forward. Mm -hmm. So you can see what you are falling into. And I'm like, that makes sense. Okay. You know, because I, I just had to keep finding my way to get up the hill. You know, my life is like, it's like I'm always at the trajectory. I'm always trying to go up. So as long as I'm climbing the hill and I'm never getting tired, and the reason I never get tired is because I fill myself up with good things. Right. So I'm energized all the time. You know, yeah, yeah. the work, work can be emotionally draining because I'm, I'm trying to deal with people every day and try to help them fix their life. Right. But I've learned how to not internalize their stuff. Well, that's a big secret. Yeah, because I had a spiritual guru before he passed uh -huh. away named Guru Shri Chinmoy, and he mm -hmm. would say that he would take our ignorance 
and throw it out into the universe. So right. it wasn't inside him anymore. He would just right. our issues, right. and take it and throw it out to the universe. Right, right. And and then how could if if I'm compacted with all of this stuff, right, right. what comes out of me? Stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can't take your stuff. I can help you. I can give you a suggestion or two in the moment, and then it's yours, and you can go do what you want with it. Yes. And I know that I've done the best thing I could do with you at that moment. You know, life is about the moment. You know, and 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 like I dream big because dreams, and I, and I try to set goals because dreams without goals is just dreams. Right. If I don't have a goal behind it, I'm just a dreamer, and a dreamer gets no. Go ahead. I was going to ask you what, uh, in a nutshell, describe your goal to us now. Can you do that? My goal to us now is to further my education. I have that in my goal plan. My goal is to, my number one goal in life is to stay clean and sober. Right. That's my number one goal in life because I can't take that for granted. Okay. You know, I can't take that for granted. That's what, and I explain that to my fiance. I explain that to all my family. If, if we're not focused, if we're as a team, not focused on my recovery first and understanding my recovery, then that's where we have a problem in our relationships. Okay. Be, you know, because everybody that knows me knows where my life is and understand my, I'm an open book. I don't, it's not no secret that I was a recovering drug addict, ex-felon. The world can know, I'll shout that from the rooftops mm-hmm. because that's who I was. What about you making your story, like your life story, in a book that can be then made into movie because i say that to you you are here to now inspire we are now a generation that likes to watch a movie we will like to watch a movie about the downside of what happened to you and Mm -hmm. this whole upside of falling forward that you're describing and in entertainment right that might be something that will be i mean just outstanding for you you to put your mind to writing your Mm -hmm. writing your story have you had me done that? No. Nope. Maybe God's telling me through you to write your story. <laughs> start, get, get to writing. Get to writing, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least get a voice recorder and start recording stuff, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm okay. tell, people, people who live your life, who've lived this type of thing, it's very inspiring when you can come out the other side of the tunnel and tell it. Right. Like a lot of them can't couldn't can't tell it, but you can. Right. And you're very right. articulate with it. So it's I, yeah yeah so and so i got a few things that i stick by it's like so i try to you know i believe in the unbelievable yes because i you know things that other people don't believe i believe can happen uh and i, I never leave crumbs on the table man i never leave crumbs and when i when i talk about leaving crumbs it's mean i try not to leave nothing i gotta look over my shoulder about right okay you know i try not to leave wreckage in people's lives and people's day. Now I'm not perfect. You know, I might, you know, I might drive down the road, somebody cut in front of me and I might look at them like they're crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I try not to really do things that will be detrimental to people's well-being. Okay. You know, because, because you, you also knew my brother, Ron. Yeah. Yeah. And anything you can say about my brother Ron? Your brother was a was a he was a, a comedy. And he was a real dude. He was a real dude, man. He was a real. He was a. He was a good dude, man. Thank you. He was. A, he was a good dude, man. He. He. We had some funny times together, in the systems, out the systems. You know. I mean, our lives wasn't perfect at that yeah. time. Yeah. But he was loved, and 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 he had a good reputation. Thank you. He had a good reputation, no matter what we were doing. You know, because still, you could. I think even in the midst, in, in, in my drug. In my drug era, I didn't have such a great reputation. Okay. You know, because I I I I'd steal your dope and help you look for it. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't any good. I'm telling you the truth. But you had people that had etiquette still even in a wrong life that wouldn't mistreat people or, or, or wrong people. And that's something that your brother did. And you know, may he rest. May you he know, rest. may he rest. May he rest, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny how. See, that's another thing. How did I? How did that come full circle for me knowing him and now I know you? Yeah. I was supposed to know you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was supposed to know you somewhere in my life. We, this path was supposed to cross it. And I, I am so grateful. I'm yeah, so, so, 
so grateful and honored. And you know, I, I just I just look at your life, man, and and, and how you persevered. See my and brother, how you, my brother Ron, when we first came to LA, mm -hmm. I'd want to jam in like a little club. Uh and I would get shy. And Ron would say, go up there and play. Uh -huh. I'd be shy. I'd be shy mm. in the club. But he'd be like, no, man, go up there and play. Right. I could get shy though, see? So right. he's always been kind of in my life to kind of push me along. That's correct. He, he knew I had the gift, but he had to push me because yeah. I'd be like a little, you know, nervous. <laughs> and, 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 and that's that's ironic because we have these gifts, man. You know, it's like, you like, when we pass away, right? When, when, we, when we go to... When we land down, say we land down in a hospital bed, right? Yeah. And, and you're on your last days and all the ghosts of your attributes come to you. Mm -hmm. You know how much stuff that great people take to the grave? Wow. Wow. You know, great attributes wasted, never used, never, never put pushed to their full potential, never, never uh trust in your greatness. Yes. You know, fear, fear, fear stagnates life, man. That's right. Fear stagnates people's lives and, and it makes it hard for people to be who they genuinely can be or who they, you know, who they chosen to be. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I just want to keep falling forward, mm -hmm. you know? And and it's it's a trip because because it's they've done a, a research on this that only one percent of people that fail try to succeed again. Hmm. So when you first started in the music business, everything didn't go right. Yes. You know, but you kept going. That's right. You That's know, right. I failed and, and you have to fail. You got to fail big. Oh, I think everybody that's somebody or everybody that's really making an impact on the world has failed big. That's right. That's right. We failed big. <clears throat> yes. Because I know I failed big in some areas in my life. But the failures were great because the failures got me to today. That's what I'm saying. That's what you I'm know, saying. And, and when you talk to some people about you got to fail, man, people don't understand that. They don't understand the dichotomy or the, or the, or the, or the understanding of failure, how, how impactful failure can be for greatness. That's right. You know, and, and it's, it's just to get things I never had, I have to do what I never did. That's right. Well, write that book, bro. Make that movie, cause you got a yeah. movie in you. Man, I, I I need your help. If you can help me in any okay. kind of way, I, I, I look. Let's mm. let's have a talk about it. Okay, good. That's good. Let's have a talk about it. <clears throat> yeah, I might need you to push me. <laughs> I'm I'm good for the music. <laughs> I know. Soundtrack. I'm good for the music. Soundtrack. Man. I'm good for the soundtrack. Soundtrack. <laughs> soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's gonna be a winner. Yeah, it's a winner. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's like, I know life is not easy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that life is not easy, but it's not hard. Right. You know, as long as I stay in the center and stay in my lane and stay in the herd, I'm gonna be okay. Uh, I believe that I'm not finished. I believe that there's so much more for me to do. Because yeah. I have a couple of friends that like work for like DPH and and they do construction and they do these kinds of jobs. They're like, man, don't you get tired of hearing people? Don't you get tired of trying to work with people? I'm like, nah, man, I, you look tired. Hmm. Beat that hammer all day. Mm -hmm. That's tiring. Right. I say, my job, I say, I wouldn't know what else to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. That's right. So I think you're supposed to build stuff and I'm supposed to build lives. That's it. So we're both going to the same place. You build a place for the lives to live. You know, right. so right. we all work together. Yeah. Uh, what is the house call that you that you that you have? It's just us, J U S T U S, just us sober living home. And how have you enjoyed uh, working it? Is it coming to the way you want it to be? Oh yeah, I, I, I think Marin County. I think I'm doing so good in Marin County. They've asked us to buy other houses. I won't. I won't do it right now. Okay. And I'm gonna tell you why because you're dealing with nine to ten men, different personalities daily. I have a family. You know, I have a job, I have a full-time job. So my life is revolved around fixing people. So I think sometimes you gotta know when to hold them and know when to fold them. That's it. Like, it's not time for me to do that because now if I wasn't working this job I'm at now, maybe I would do more houses because I could focus on that. 
but I have to focus on too many things and I can't run myself thin trying to save a life. That's right. That's right. Because I have a family. I have to be there for my family. I have to I have to have energy for my child. I have a new three-year-old. Wow. So, yeah. Congrats, man. I knew three year old. He's 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 twenty seven in his own mind, right? <laughs> I see you with yours too. So I, you yeah. know, these little kids they keep and, and it's it's a joy because my older son and my older daughter, I wasn't there for their when they were little kids like this. Okay, you know, and and I have a daughter that I've just mended the relationship with her in the last five years. For all the time I was clean, she never trusted the fact that I was going to stay there. Okay. And she said some angry things to me. I got you. She said some real angry things. Every time, like, for girl, don't you talk to me like that? I'm your dad. Mm -hmm. But I, I never, I never got angry at her. And I told her, I said, I'm sorry that you're that angry at me. And I hope one day that you find forgiveness. I hope that you find where you can find peace. And I explained to her, I said, the more angry you are at me, you just, it's only hurting you. Because I've forgiven me. Okay. And I'm going to be here for you. No matter how you treat me, I'm going to always be your dad. And I'm always love you. And I understand where your your resentment and your anger is coming from, you know, and, and she came around in the last five. Now she called me. She just called me, say, dad, let's call to tell you I love you. And, I'm, you know, and now we got a good relationship. But I had to I had to, I couldn't think about me and impact how I how she made me feel. And oh, you can't talk to me like that. I couldn't do that to her. I had to accept the pounding. That's right. Because I, I, I pounded. Yeah, I pounded her as a little girl. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to think about it. just because I did it for you for this many years. Mm -hmm. Now I say you can't do it for me. For you got you only got this much time to do this. So I had to let her go through her process the way she went through it. That's right. And, and you know, I had I had I went I had this trauma expert, this, this therapist I used to work with. She's a trauma expert, and. uh She's always, she, she done a lot of good work with me and let me get to know me. Okay. Let me get to know what was, what, what, how I can be better, you know? Cause I didn't realize coming out of prison and, 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 and having this, these years of being on the streets and, and I get you before you get me, how I was, how I looked at life that way. Okay. Even though I got better, I wasn't using drugs. I still had these thought processes. Like, how can, you know, it's just all about me, self-centered, self-centered, self-centered. And she helped me get out of that and, and think about other people first. And that gets me out the way. Wow. That's so that's the process. That's a big I lesson. Yeah. That's a big lesson right yeah. there. Yeah. And that's how I was able to deal with my daughter and let that happen. Not because she was my daughter. I had to go through that process with her because she was a human being that I inflicted pain upon. You know, and I had to understand the repercussions and, and let her feel the way she felt, no matter how long it took, I had to just love me and love her through it. Yes. And, it and it worked out and it worked and we have a good relationship now. Now she really talks to me. Beautiful. And, 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm grateful for the time it took and, and it made it better because I understood the value of the relationship after I had to go through so much to get it back. I, you know, you cherish things. Uh, and, and, and taking life for granted, man, is, is, is really, you know, that's what we do when we when we live that type of life. You know, nothing matters but our next high or my next victim or my next crime. You know, that's all that mattered to me at one time in my life. And now it's it's, it's like I want I don't want to see nobody in the system. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I contract with Marin County at the house, and I work with formerly incarcerated people only. Okay, that's okay. who comes to the house. I, everybody in that house is an ex felon. Just got out of prison. I got some of them guys that got released after 25 years. And those guys are coming home and they, they really got to learn how to live again. So do you ever get like, uh, I don't scared, you know, someone, uh, you know, turn on you or whatever. Because hmm. I, I never, I, I feel protected. I'm, I'm prayed up, I'm protected. I don't mm -hmm. feel my harm's going to come to me. And I never treat anybody to where that would even come. Okay. You know, I'm direct, I'm straight, I'm direct and assertive with guys, but in a real respectful way. It's yes. not nothing to diminish you or, 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 or degrade you or anything like that. I talk to these guys straight up and I think they understand me because I am them. Yeah, so we can get a better understanding. You know, mm -hmm. it, was, it, was, it was funny. I had one guy 
who wasn't a parolee that I let in the house, whose family was from Tiburon, they was had multi-money, and they put him in my house, and he didn't want to hear nothing I had to say because you know, money will make you don't listen to people. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Money, you can't hear nothing when you feel like you're more privileged than somebody. And and it was it was ironic because the guy talked bad to me, called me out my name, and I said, look, you just need to leave. Mm-hmm. And I had to call the police, and he called me everything in the book. But I was like, okay, because I could have went the other way with him, but why? That's not who I am no more. I don't want you just, I don't want to do anything to you. That's right. You know, as long as you don't do anything to me, mm-hmm. you know, but you have to leave here. So those are the type of situations. And 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 I got, you know, I had some guys that just flopped out, you know, and and it's and it's and I have to say this, you know, I'm a black man in, in Marin County, the only one of the only ones that have a sober living home. Wow. I'm the only one. Okay. And it's it's funny because I try to work with I try to get people from Marin City, you know, some of my people to to give them a place to land in a place to sleep, in a place where you can get your life together. And it's like, I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time with, with young black men trying to get sober these days that stay this close to their home. It's like, it'd be hard and I'd be rooting for them. Like, oh, I need you to make it, man. I, I need you to make it. It's a little, I got a little extra push. <laughs> I need you yeah. to make it, man. Yes, yes. You remind me of me, you're my brother, you yes. know? Yes. And I say like, I treat them different from anybody else, but it's like, come on, that's just common. You know, especially from such an underprivileged community in such a flourishing county. Wow. You know, they got the biggest race dichotomy in the world here. That's right. Yeah, the data, you know, they've done research through John Hopkins and all that about the discrepancies against race here. Mm-hmm. So it's heavy, but I love it. I've, I've been in Marin yeah. County, what, 13 years? I came here yeah. 13 wow. years ago. I took a job over here and came over here. And I have some of the best friends that I never thought I would have in life. Wow. And I'm talking about whites, Latins, Italians, Europe, you know, just people that are really my friends. That's right. Like, I didn't ever think Jeff would walk into my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. You know, we from two different worlds, two different worlds. And he walked into my life and he was like, you're interesting. Mm-hmm. He's like, and, and I don't understand how sometimes when people say, how did you do it? I don't know. I just didn't do what I used to do. I don't know how I I kept praying and I kept believing that I could and I kept letting people help me. See, I allow people to help me today. That's why you can stay on the train Mm -hmm. and keep going forward. When I stop letting people help me, that's when I feel like I got it. And that's when everything, my best thinking had me smoking crack and in prison. My, my best thinking at times mm-hmm. had me doing things to get me sent to unforgiving places. Yeah. So I need to let somebody tell me sometimes the things that they think I should do. You know, like, in, in my world of music, <clears throat> those people that we most admire are the ones that, were, that are open and willing to make new sounds, new records, new songs. Right. Exactly. I've been thinking you know it all. Then if I'm here to help, you're tying my hands. I know that God can't really come through the way that the Lord wants to come through because we're like, no, I think I know it all. But when right. people come in that, no, what do you, what do you want to try? Aha, right. I know we're going to make a smash. It's right. that simple. Right. That, right. that willingness, right. just right. being willing yeah. makes a difference. That's, when, that's when to do the things you don't want to do. Yeah. There you go. It works in all the world. Try to do what you don't want to do. <laughs> Watch how great this becomes. You know, it's just, it's just like, it's, it's, I, it's, I've, I've came to Marin County. I've gotten two awards recognized by this county twice. Okay. I've got, uh, uh, recognizing the undeserved. That was in 2015. That's where you get recognized by the county for serving the undeserved Beautiful. And, and having a good reputation about it. And then last year I got the humanitarian award for the county. Fantastic. And Jeff, Jeff, yeah, Jeff, he was, he came, he came, I, and you know, I got a, a speech from uh, the senator, uh, the senator in Washington. I forget his name. He sent me a Skype speech, you know, and it, it was it was really a big thing. And you know, I never could have seen those type of things happening in my life. Like right. a humanitarian, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> a humanitarian. I ain't finna, 
I ain't humane at all. <laughs> so I take those things and, and and just keep keep my feet on the ground, you know, uh, stay available. I'm always on time. If I say I'm gonna do something, that's what I'm gonna do. Uh, my word, my word, it means a whole lot to me. You know, uh, I come into every relationship with a, with a with a big green grass field, so it's ours to play on. You can tear up the grass, and you can help me make it grow. You know, I keep my grass cut short though, so the snakes will show. Mm -hmm. You know, you gotta cut the grass so the snakes will show out there because they out there. Those those evil people, those evil evil things that's coming your way because nobody wants to see no. I mean, I can't say nobody, mm -hmm. but there's these unseen things that don't want people to be successful. Yeah, you know, we call them haters, we call them spirits. <laughs> you know, it's it's a whole lot of stuff going on, but I just keep my keep my blinders on to the nonsense and and uh I stay prayed up and 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 I define my success for myself. I, I define it of what I call success. And you don't have to be rich and famous to be successful. You can just be you. Right. You are a success. I am a success. Yeah. Uh, everybody I encounter that walks into my office and says they want help, they're a success. And if it's just in that moment, you're successful right now. So let's let's grow, let's build off of this. And 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 it's I'm I'm just I don't I just be bubbling with I'm happy because I'm not who I used to be. Wow, congratulations, man. I'm not. This is, this is why I wanted to talk to you. This is why I want to talk to you today. This, I'm not who I used to be, and, yeah. and, and it's people like you that walked into my life, Jeff, yeah. my parents, my children, uh, people that walked through my life that were a positive attribute, and I'm not in my life on a daily basis no more. You know, because we talk about, uh, you know, I, I was watching TD Jakes. You know about TD Jakes? Yeah. Forever. So I, I listen to him sometimes. He was talking about these types of friends. He say you, you everybody needs a confidant, somebody they can really talk to. Mm -hmm. And then you got comrades, people that want to see you do good, and will fight for the cause you're gonna fight for. Mm -hmm. But as soon as the cause is over, they're gone. Okay. And you got constituents, people that's gonna fight for you in a cause, but never really be with you for the cause. Got it. Talk about these three types of friends, and I was like, wow. And then I was pitching in my mind who walked through my life like that. And he's okay, I've seen that a lot, mm -hmm. you know, but I got a few confidants that I could really talk to. And he say, once you have that, you blessed. That's it. You got confidants? Mm -hmm. Cause those are hard to come by. Somebody that's ain't gonna let you tell them what you need. It ain't gonna tell you what you need to hear. Right. What, you know, like, I, you know, I have, I have a sponsor named Richard Ayala, who's, he will, I gotta watch what I say to him sometimes. Like, hey man, I was thinking this, and he he'll ring me a new one. Like, what's, what's your problem? What where did that come from? Like, and he'll break it down to me, like where that thought can come from. And then I'll be like, okay, you make I didn't even think of that. So those are the type of people I need in my life that's gonna tell me what's really going on, not what I need to hear. And that 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 keeps you stable, that keeps you grounded. You know, it's been keeping me grounded, you know. And you like, and I go by every Sunday, you'll see me at Jeff House. And that's our Sunday thing. I'll come over Sunday. And even if we ain't got nothing to talk about, it's just, I just, I'm consistent. That's right. That's what I do. It's part of my routine. And we'll just chop it up and talk about our week and da da da, da. You know, it's COVID now. We used to go have breakfast. Right. Now we don't go do nothing. We just sit out in the yard, we, yeah. 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And we're tapping on the phone through the week. And that's our routine. Do you, you know, know, do you know the four agreements? I heard... I, I don't let, remember it, but I let, read. Let, let me share them with you because they really have helped me. And, and it's, it's, it's what you're living, but I want to say. Write it down. Yeah. Okay. Number one is the first agreement says, be impeccable with your word. Be impeccable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. which, you, which you've already said you are. Uh huh. Number two says, do not take things personally. Right. <laughs> Very hard for little Narda. What do you mean you don't like my song? What do you mean you don't like me? Yeah. But I can't take things personally. Right. Number three says, and this is the one they say that people are doing without even realizing they're doing, is assuming. It says, 
do not assume do not assume yeah ask the question so you're not you're not assuming because people are assuming without even realizing they're assuming exactly exactly number four is always do your best even if you're sick oh. yep always do your best you know you're sick you don't feel well do your best and those are so those are so simple yeah those are so simple and, and you know what though you know what there is though those are the four things in a good person yeah okay I think those are four things, four attributes of an upstanding person that walks into your life. Right. You know, they're going to, what they say they do, they're going to do. Right. Yep. They're not going to take it personal when you tell them, yeah, that's a confidant. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They don't assume nothing. They let you ask the questions mm -hmm. and always do your best and they're going to give you their best. So I got a few, I got a lot of those in my life. Okay. There you go. I got a lot of people like that in my life. <laughs> You know, and, 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 and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Dominic, give me your 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 last thought, your prayer, anything you want to give out to our listeners at this time as we as we as we wrap it up. I want to say to whoever's listening that life is good, first of all. Life is really good. Life is a gift. Whatever you're going through, or whatever you're gonna go through, or whatever you're gonna face, you can get through it. You just have to believe in yourself and believe in some that that there is something greater in yourself that can get you through it. Love yourself and and, and just believe. Just just believe in your believe in your greatness. Get in tune with your greatness, you know, and and find find your journey and your destiny, you know. And sometimes that may that may take a little while. It may take a little more schooling. It may take a little more training. It may take a little more suffering, you know, but you can get there. And, and uh, the, suffering is a big word, man. You know, because suffering, just like I say, failure and suffering, I think they go hand in hand. It can bring your greatness because when a person's tired of suffering, they're gonna get out of it right. some kind of way, you know? whether it's emotional, mental, relationships, financial, you'll find a way to get out of it if you don't want to be there. Don't be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Don't, don't, don't sit in discomfort too long because it'll become comfortable to you and you'll find yourself losing a lot of time. So, yeah. I call you, I call you the Black Angel. Thank you, man. Yeah, man, that might be the name of the, name of the movie, The Black Angel. Black Angel. <laughs> Thank you, man. I, I really, I appreciate this, man. This has been, this has been a fun day, man. Thank you so much, Dominic. I look yeah. forward to seeing you on the, on the coming Sundays whenever you're back around. Yes, I know COVID's yes, heavy right now, but I'm, I'm with you in spirit and love, and uh, I'm very proud of you too, man. The day was really thank, excellent. Really thank you, excellent. man. It means a lot to me, man. All right. Love you. Talk to you later. Love you too, brother. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Hey, this is your brother, Nardo Michael Walden. Thank you so much for watching episode 28 on The Black Angel. Dominic McDowell. He's not a musician, but his story is so inspiring for all musicians and all people around the world. God bless you. Love you. Have a wonderful, wonderful springtime. Get out and enjoy the beautiful nature of life. God is with us. Goodness is with us. Kindness is with us. All the goodness of life is with us. Enjoy your music. Party, party, hearty. I love you. Stay tuned. Our next episode's coming up. Bye-bye, everybody. God bless you. On the Upbeat Show with Nara Michael Walden. Woo-hoo! Thank you, everybody, for watching this week's Modern Drummer Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode exclusively on Podcast One. Until then, stay safe and healthy, and thanks for listening and watching. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.